0: It is good to be here today. Um, Welcome. It is good to see you all Uh, again. I say this always first service and not second service. It's so nice to be up here for first service with you guys just because I'm typically downstairs with the students. And so um, great to be up here. We have been in a share your style sermon series. Here it is. This is, uh, this is the series we've been in. This is the series JP has been going through. Share your style uh, specifically with evangelism. As we talk about sharing the gospel, God has wired each one of us very uniquely and in different ways to be effective witnesses of the gospel. And so we're just going to quick run through the last couple. First of all was the direct style. JP's first message was the direct style. It says, direct evangelism may come across as being in your face, but the motivation is to help people meet Jesus face to face. And I have, um, I have some close friends who are very, very, very direct <laughs> when it comes to this style. And I can't help but in, in, in moments where I, where I see their direct style come out, I'm like, oh my gosh, like how how do you even, like, talk to people? (laughs) But then at the same time, they're having a gospel conversation in a place that I'm not. And so there is this wonderful, beautiful place where when the rubber meets the road, this is the gospel. I need to be direct with you. And secondly was the intellectual style. So first, the direct style. And the second was the intellectual style. The intellectual style is faith in Jesus doesn't mean we have to check our brains at the door. For many, it's through their brains that they will walk through the door of faith. And JP dissected this this idea of apologetics, this idea of engaging with the creative and hard-thinking brains that we do to logically walk through why someone may want to believe the gospel or to point them towards Jesus. And quite honestly, I I don't consider myself a brainiac or anything like that. I don't I don't I wasn't like the library guy at school. I'm not like that. I'm just not that brainiac like hard thinker type person. However, do you really think I would have any success ministering or witnessing to students? without some sort of apologetic. Why do we believe what we believe? Because the world's telling them all these different things. But unless I go, you know what, this isn't, I would not consider it my style, but there are times where I go, you know what, that doesn't matter. I need to learn this. And this is going to be the theme kind of for the whole series, you guys, is it's not that one style is better. It's not that we get to check off, oh, we are this person or we are that person. Maybe it's helpful like that. But this is also an opportunity for us to go, you know what? Maybe that's why I haven't been able to get through to that person. Maybe there is another style that I need to develop or or uh, critique in my own life so that I may be a more engaging witness of the gospel. And so... Sharing your style. And when I heard style, there was only one thing. No, it's not only one thing. But there was one thing that came to my mind. Anyone here a Project Runway fan? Okay, okay. I got a couple. All right. All right. So be honest with me. Who doesn't know what Project Runway is? Okay, okay. So that, that, that's all right. I, I, I anticipated you guys would be there. So Project Runway... I I honestly, I had no idea what it meant. I thought it was like an aircraft, you know, thing. (laughs) Anyway, long story short, we signed up for the free Hulu trial. It's on Hulu. Um, Project Runway is where amateur designers, fashion designers, all come together in this reality series, and each each uh, each session or each episode is them competing a a competing in a challenge to design a garment that is worthy of the runway." And so you, you do this, and you get all these different designers from all over the world, and they all have different bends to, to the way they think and, and how they see fashion, and so everyone has their own style. So Project Runway, these are just the judges, They're, they critique them as, as they go down there. I was very skeptical at first, to be honest. I was like, like, really, we're going to watch this show? However, I was quickly pulled into the designs that keep being presented, and honestly, I was shocked at how the contestants were able to design these garments. I mean, this is like a high-quality evening gown within a day that's on the runway, sewn, designed, everything. And then each... It wouldn't be a good show without some sort of twist or a challenge, right? And so each episode, there's typically some sort of challenge or theme, and it went to, uh, went to the extent of one time, I couldn't believe this, one time, one of the challenges was they had to design a garment using only supplies from Party City. It's like, how is this even possible? And so they go in and they pick out tablecloths and they pick out napkins and they put together these runway worthy designs in front of these esteemed judges using only materials from Party City. Another one, this was even like more crazy, another one was Petco. They're like, they're like taking apart the beds and using the collars and stuff like that. Like they were, they were being so creative. And so with all this being said, there's, there's two perspectives that the judges have to judge them on. First off is their own style, their aesthetic. Everyone is wearing a little bit differently. They don't want everyone making the same thing. But you also need to remember that you were designing for someone. You were designing for a culture a general population, and needs to be attractive to them. You could have a great, quirky design aesthetic, but if no one's going to buy your stuff, they don't don't want you to win this competition. And so there's those two factors there, and we're going to get into these a little bit later. But at the end of the day, as I thought about sharing our style, each of us are designed with God-given, unique traits and gifts that we can use to share the gospel. God has designed me specifically with some very unique gifts. But at the end of the day, if I only focus on that one thing or those two things, I'm going to miss an opportunity to present the gospel to a very, very large population. You see, we always have to have in our minds what, how are we engaging the world or that person, or this group of people. Not just, oh, I'm comfortable in my apologetic box. And so we're going to circle back to this in a a little bit, but today is our service style. Sharing the gospel through serving. The serving style. And I think this one, I'm going to hopefully break through some of the... uh, hopefully break through some of the temptations to fall back and be um, be comfortable with this one because I think that is one of the temptations, that we can be good servants and we can, we can serve others, uh, but we're going to get into those in just a moment. And so today, we are in the serving style, and we're going to walk through this. We'll go through all the uh, kind of the five, the summary of the five things JP has been going through. And then we'll have a little bit of an action plan at the end of this too. And so let's pray as we dive into the serving style. God, thank you so much for the way you have wired each one of us. And so today as we go through this, some of us are going to really hear and understand and respond to this serving style. And there's others of us that, This will be very difficult. That's not our natural band. That's not what we would normally do. But God, I just pray that you would open up our hearts, that yes, you have designed us each uniquely, but there is also a very, very large group of people out there that need to hear your word, and we need to be willing to serve them. Open up our hearts today, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, turn with me to Acts chapter 9, please. This is where we are going to be this morning. Acts chapter 9. It is in, let's see, it starts, just the very first verses on 1706 in your, or your uh, chair Bibles, if you are there. Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 41. I don't have the words on the screen. I have the rest of the, I have a bunch of other Bible verses that we'll address this morning on the screen. But for this one, this big portion, we're just going to read through it right now. Um, and get an understand of this story. Verse 36, chapter 9, verse 36. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lida was near Joppa, and just for a reference about here to Escondido, about that far. So it's not very far. Lida was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lida, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the windows stood around him, all the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. I think we can picture the I mean, it's not quite a funeral, but this is the feel. This is they are remembering her for who she was and what she did. Mourning. Verse 40, Peter sent them all out of the room, and then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This is the passage we are in this morning. And we are walking through our points through Tabitha and Peter. And our first point this morning when it comes to serving is our actions for the gospel are equally as important as our voice for the gospel. And so up to this point, we have spent a lot of time in the direct style. We've spent a lot of time in the uh, um, the other style, that JP intellectual style. And a lot of this is around our voices, our voices for the gospel. We're serving and our actions are equally as important, as important as our voice for the gospel. In Acts 9:36, at the very beginning, in Joppa there was a t- disciple named Tabitha, she was always doing good and helping the poor. This is the only time that Tabitha is referenced in the entire Bible. And yet, when they mention her name, they had to include these things. Why did Luke have to include these things in his, in, his uh, in the book of Acts? Because the two were synonymous. You couldn't have Tabitha without her good deeds. Our actions for the gospel are equally as important as our voice for the gospel. And, and I guess one example of this that I could think of just kind of randomly uh, was if, let's just say your neighbor is moving into their house. All right? Your neighbor's moving into their house and, and you're like, oh man, new people, this is going to be great. We can get to know them. Oh, but I, you know, I'm kind of the, uh, the intellectual style. I don't think I'm going to be able to share the good news with them. Not yet. Maybe, you know, maybe after a while. No! There's one important thing that you should do and that's go serve them. And so our, Actions for the gospel are equally as important as our voice for the gospel. Matthew 5, verse 16, it says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Now, I know we don't do acts of service to be seen. However, there is a whole world watching us. As we are serving, you are being seen. There is no no choice there. Our actions for the gospel are equally as important as a voice for the gospel. The world is watching us, you guys. Serving is one of the best ways we can communicate the gospel to an observing world. That's not the only way. This is one of five different styles. They all play together. You can't have one without the other. But as the world is watching us, you guys, just think about that. Think of headlines that maybe the church has been in the news in the last five, seven years. Are they good things? Are they bad things? Were the headlines how the church was serving or creating a solution to a problem? Matthew 20, verse 28, it says this, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, you guys know this verse, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. If we are called to be like Christ, if we are called to be like Jesus, perhaps we are here to serve, rather be served, and to give our lives for the many people around us. Of course, we don't bring salvation. We don't make the conversion. Of course, we know that. But perhaps the whole world watching. There is no more crucial time for our actions for the gospel than right now. So our first point is our actions for the gospel are equally as important as our voice for the gospel. Second point is servers hear and they go. And if you're a server, you get this point. Because if there is a need and you hear it, you go. No questions. No, oh, is it going to fit my schedule? You just go. And this is uh, verses 38 to 39. And that's when, when Peter, Lida was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lida, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. And Peter went with them. Peter heard. And Peter went. In fact, I thought it was interesting that the first miracle that Jesus ever did, the first recorded miracle in all of scripture was Jesus hearing and responding. And that of course was the water being changed to wine in Cana. It wasn't a blingy, raise someone from the dead. There was a need for a couple not to be ashamed on their wedding, For running out of wine. And at that moment, Jesus decided to manifest his deity in a unique way and change that water to wine in a back room with barely anybody there. Jesus' first miracle was serving when he heard and he responded and he went. Luke 11, 28, it says, uh, it says this, this is Jesus. He's, he replied, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. This isn't new scripture. This isn't groundbreaking stuff, you guys. But the Bible says that we should do it. You guys, there are so many places, specifically the book of James, where it says, James is making the argument. He goes, "Okay, faith without works is absolutely dead. You can try to prove your faith to me, but let me show you my faith through my works, through what I do." And then, of course, I don't know if this is my most favorite or least favorite book in the, or verse in the Bible. It's James 4:17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is for them sin. God has worked that verse in so many ways in my life. And again, I'm like, oh, that's good. God can my heart. At the same time, at that moment, when I know the good I have to do and I don't do it, oh, I hate this verse now. And <laughs> I guess a personal example of mine, I went to Ethiopia as a missionary uh, for about a month out of, uh, out of high school, I went over with a big group And we did a lot of different ministries there. We don't have enough time to get into all of that. But one of them was simply walking in a small group along the street. Of course, their streets look much different than ours. Their streets is where the community is. Their streets are where the kids are playing. The streets are where people are buying and selling things. The the streets are where people are hanging out. And so everyone is up and down these main streets. And so we were walking up and down and we were engaging different people and and, uh, we had our translators helping us. And then there were side streets off the main street. I remember looking down one of these side streets and I looked down there and there was a man, an old man, sitting down, moaning with visible signs of AIDS all over his body. And I just had this moment where Jesus spoke to my heart and says that this is why we're here. The gospel is for him. The gospel is for everyone. You need to take some time. I did not want to do that. But I go, okay, let's, let's, let's go over and talk to this man. The translators didn't even want to go talk to him. And as I step close to him, you guys, I can't even describe it, but honestly, he smelled so bad. And I remember trying to muster up the right words to explain the gospel to this man. Servers hear, and then they go. When they see a need, or they hear a need, they go. However, I wish wish this theme was more apparent in my life, but to be completely honest and transparent with you, just a couple weeks ago at Starbucks, up in Escondido. I walked out with my coffee. I probably had a puppuccino for the dog. I'm like that. (laughs) I walked out, and there was a single mom with her baby child. Now, they may not have been homeless, but they kind of had all the signs of being homeless. And I'm not lying to you guys. These thoughts through my mind of, man, it probably would be really great if someone did something for her. I proceed to hop in my car and think about her the entire way home and not go back. Was my time really that much more valuable than serving someone in need? I would not say serving is my key style, however that does not that does not mean I'm off the hook. That does not mean we are off the hook. There will always be opportunities to serve. And maybe for, for some of us, we just need to start listening. We need to start hearing. So point number one, our actions for the gospel are equally as important as our voice for the gospel. Point number two, serve, serve here and go. And our point number three is this. It says, our posture while serving directly correlates to whom we are are serving. And this is an interesting one, and I think we're going to have a good time with this. But it says, when um, Peter sent them all out of the room, verse 40, Peter sent them all out of the room, and then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning towards a dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seen Peter. She sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them, alive. Now, at first, at first glance, this didn't mean much to me, but then, as I read and I kind of studied, something was revealed to me, and that's that this scenario was not something new to Peter. In fact, earlier, in fact, very early on in Jesus' ministry, Peter or Jesus performs a very similar miracle. To Peter's mother-in-law. And that's in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 verses 29 and 31. It says, As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her by the hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Peter had observed years and years of Jesus' ministry. And Peter was a very direct style type person. If I remember right, Peter was the example JP used for the direct style. Cuz that's who he was. He was the all or nothing type guy. He's he's swinging his he's swinging his sword, kicking and screaming. He's going, "Oh my gosh, Jesus, whenever you're ready, like we are ready to take this town. Let's go." But here he is. He had observed Jesus for so long. And he had seen Jesus in this very same moment. However, his approach was slightly different this time. He knelt. And did you know, random factoid, did you know it is in, in all of the miracles recorded in Scripture, it is never mentioned once that Jesus knelt down to perform a miracle. Never once. Is that important or not? I don't know. But what is important is that Simon in this moment, Simon Peter in this moment, realized he was not performing the miracle. He needed the reliance of the Holy Spirit. He could not do this on his own. And so he knelt in reverence and in help to his God. Out of submission to Jesus, he knelt and from there, he told Tabitha to get up. I'm reminded of Philippians two, where it says the Son of Man did not uh, come to no. I'm sorry, that's the wrong that's the wrong portion. That's the wrong scripture. Philippians two. It says that Jesus humbled Himself so much that He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Whether He humbled Himself, being made in the likeness of a what a servant. Jesus' posture was a servant. Peter's posture was a servant. And my question for us this morning is, who are we serving? As we show up to help on a Sunday morning, as we show up to help at a different ministry, as we serve our neighbors and friends in our world, are we serving them for ourselves? or are we serving God above everything else because one of the temptations and one of the one of the uh, little tricky things with the serving the serving style you guys is that it feels good and it's really easy to serve for the sake of serving does your posture reflect the god you wish to serve now if you know if you're helping your neighbor move, you being on your knees isn't going to be much help. I get that. However, in your heart of hearts, in your soul, as you step across your street, in your heart, are you, are you standing up in your relationship with God or are you kneeling? Are you going, I can do this. I'm strong. I'm able. I'm capable. Or are you going, Jesus... I cannot do this without your help. Our posture while serving directly correlates to whom we are serving. Those are our three points from Acts 9. And now we're going to run through, we're going to run through the brief summaries of this style. And again, some of these are going to be, going to ring home for a lot of us. Some of them are going to be like, oh, I had no idea. But the strength, the strength to the serving style is that Serving gives us the opportunity to practice what we preach. This is like the most practical, I'd debate maybe the easiest. You can just do it. You can just serve. It doesn't take a brainiac to serve. Anyone can do it. Now, some of us don't see or hear opportunities like others, but the strength of this style is serving gives us the opportunity to practice what we preach. If we believe that Jesus was a serving type person, a humble guy, then we have the opportunity to live that same life. This is a huge strength. Strength. Serving gives us the opportunity to practice what we preach, to live out that our works, that our lives, are an example of Jesus for those around us. The blind spot. And I already kind of referenced this a little bit. Sometimes... We focus too much on our deeds without verbalizing the gospel. You see, we get caught up doing good stuff because we're good people and good people help. And maybe even uh, just a, a, a slight differentiation, there are tons and tons of people that help all the different ministries of this church Sunday morning, throughout the week. There are a bunch of people that serve, and that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. I couldn't do what I do. JP couldn't do what he does or anyone else around here without those people that serve. However, that is not the only way we are called to serve. We are called to serve others to communicate the gospel. And so far, service is confined to these church walls. I don't think we're hearing, I don't think we're listening hard enough to the needs of those around us. Sometimes we focus too much on our deeds without verbalizing the gospel. That's the blind spot. And the caution here, the caution is a false sense of humility. And most of us, if we struggle with this, we probably don't realize we struggle with it. And that's why it's, It's a false sense of humility. It's, I serve, I'm a pretty good person. And, you know, no one really sees what I do, but, you know, it's okay because I love Jesus and I love people and I don't need to necessarily always be seen, but I serve and I serve selflessly. Maybe sometimes I serve so that maybe a couple people see what I do. That's what we're talking about. Of course, serving is a wonderful, wonderful thing, you guys, but as the caution as we serve is this false sense of humility to creep into our lives of, oh, we are, I am a great servant of God. (laughs) That doesn't sound very humble to me. And so maybe as we serve, we examine our hearts and our postures in our service. A suggestion, combine styles. If this is difficult for you, and this is honestly, it's probably a suggestion we could use for a lot of them, but find ways to communicate spiritual motivation behind your physical acts of service. And this is the hard one. This is a, okay, I'm helping my neighbor move, but how do I transition then into them understanding that, yes, like, I'm super supportive of them. I love that they're here and all that. But there is also another side of this that is, I am driven by my love for Jesus. There is a time where the rubber meets the road and we have to make that differentiation. And so maybe sometimes we need to combine some of the styles. We combine an apologetic and go, hey, what do you think about God? As you you know, what do you think about God? You're moving your stuff. Where are you from? Sometimes we need to combine styles to make it a little easier for us, and it becomes a very, very effective way to do ministry. And then the last one, the encouragement is—and I think we've all been there when, when this has happened—encouragement is so rewarding. I mean, I'm sorry, the encouragement. Serving others is so rewarding. As we serve, God uses those acts of service to, to encourage us and bring us up for us to realize it's not about us. It's about Him— But of course, if we just focus on one of these, you guys, oh, yeah, serving is so rewarding. And we just kind of say there, (laughs) false sense of humility comes into the equation. And we focus on our deeds rather than communicating the gospel. We need to be very, very careful there. And so as we kind of land the plane, as we conclude, the reason we are doing this series is not to check out... It's not to see all these different styles and maybe check our boxes or, or mark off our boxes on, on what we're good at or what we're not good at. That's part of it. For us to understand how God has gifted us is a very important thing, but that's not where it stays. We should be challenged by all of these styles. That if you are not a brainiac or an apologist, you need to understand that there are a lot of people that are. And God doesn't necessarily clump your office mates together all in a similar personality type. And that the person across your desk may be a brainiac. And when he says, well, how do you know that the Bible is true? We need to have a better, we need to have a better explanation than, uh, the, well, I, I just believe it is. It's not going to fly. And you've, you've lost an opportunity of maybe connecting with the gospel. And so all of these things, it's not, it's not that we focus on one and, and not the other. Kind of going back to this, this, uh, this, um, this project runway description that I had at the beginning. Each one of us is designed very uniquely. And it is important that we use that and we channel that. And the way God has made each one of us, that there is a way that you, have, you can get plugged into this church and plugged into your community and evangelize and serve and speak the gospel to many, many people, at the same time, we need to remember that there is a whole world watching and hearing us. And we need to be aware of what those needs are. Because I may be the most diligent server, but the person that I need to share the gospel with, maybe they have everything. Maybe they don't need to be served. And and actually, an act of serving is stepping out of your comfort zone and learning apologetics. Or going, you know what, I just need to be direct with this person. Or maybe we'll learn a little bit more the next couple weeks as we continue on. And so at this point, I'm gonna I'm gonna invite the band to come back up here. And we're gonna do something we're gonna do something a little different and unique as we close out here. Because this is going back to our our posture. I think our posture is very, very important, whether we're praying, whether we're worshiping, whether we're serving. You guys, our posture is very, very important. And so in just a, in just a moment, they are going to start playing the song, and we're going we're to spend about the first half of the song or so on our knees. Now, if you, if you can't do that, or if it's too painful... I'm going to ask you to open up your hands like this in, a, in, a, in an open act of submission to God. And our posture is important. Putting our hands up like this is a wonderful thing and we're praising, but it also doesn't necessarily communicate need. This does. I can't do it. And so I'm going to sit here with my arms open waiting to hear from God. But those of, those of us that can and are able, we're going to get on our knees. And it's weird, and it's awkward. And unfortunately, that's where we've come to. That it's awkward and weird to kneel before the God of the universe and our Savior. So we're going to all do it together. And I'm going to read a psalm, and then we're going to go into this last song And we're going to worship about the first half, and then um, Dan will cue you up, and we can all stand and and sing and worship standing at the end. And so now, if you can, you are able, I'm going to ask you to get on your knees. You can spread out. You can come into the aisles, whatever space you need to go. Turn around. face, Face the back if you need to. If you can't, I'm just going to ask you to open up your arms like this. And this is, it's a little uncomfortable. That's okay, we're not here to, we don't care what other people think around us. So I'm just going to read this psalm, Psalm 95, the first seven verses. It says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is a great God, the King above all kings. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountains' peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care.